Battle of Menti just passed. Yeah. Unfortunately. Who's Angelo Battlementi? People who don't like Angelo Battlementi. Angelo Battlementi. He was the frequent f- collaborator of David Lynch. He did the introductory music for the series Twin Peaks. Yeah. The classic dramatic theme for Laurel Palmer. So that's it. And, yeah. Here's to you, Angie. Collaborator of David Lynch, but he credited him on Twin Peaks The Return as as a composer, even though I don't think he even did anything new for that. He's on the soundtrack. Yeah. I don't know to but what he, extent. He didn't actually, I don't think he actually did the score for it. But well, it David Lynch gave him the credit because nice guy. you can't have Twin Peaks without Angelo Battleman. You've probably seen the YouTube video of how Angelo talks about he and David coming up with the theme. No. Really? Yeah, it gets recommended to me like every few months. Please it's, send it to me. He's the like sitting there at the piano and he's like just taking instruction direction from David, and da- David's like doing his David Lynch thing where he's like channeling the cosmos through his yeah, brain yeah, space. Yeah, he's like, N- I need more of this. I need more, more of this, more of this, Angelo. And Angelo's just like riffing, and then that's how they came up with the theme. Was like just like they're jamming. That's amazing. Yeah, I'd love to. The way Angelo tells it is cool. I'm sure. Yeah. Not please, using any please send me that. Um. Anyway. He'll be greatly missed, and his work and his art will live on. Yeah. Iconic. What are we talking about today? Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think. Um, Netflix's One new, of Netflix's yeah. new films, of which there are several making a quick run in so theaters many. across the nation. So many. Maybe international, I'm not sure. But the latest of which that we're recording is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, one of the few Guillermo projects that actually get made because, you know, he has his name attached to so many things throughout the years that, you know, a lot of fans become uh, just disappointed when these things don't happen. But the cool thing about this one, though, is it took over a thousand days. So like almost four years to make to make. So obviously, people, why is that? This stupid? was a passion project. Why is that? What is the oh, style of animation? I'll tell you, because the style of animation for this Pinocchio story, which is unlike any Pinocchio story you've seen or heard before, is in stop motion animation. Yeah. Incredible craftsmanship. Incredible in stop motion animation. Some of the best I think I've ever seen, I would like to say. Yeah. I've only seen a couple Burton films, but this is my favorite stop motion that I've seen so far. I want to say, too, that although Guillermo del Toro produced and directed this, it was also directed by... Mark Gustafson. Who's he? Gu- Gustafson. Gustafson? There you whatever. <laughs> I've, I've heard it both ways. I've heard it. Gustafson. Uh, and he's directed before some stuff that I've never really... Oh, he, he's done work in, claim it in uh, stop motion. So that's why he helped direct it. But yeah, as far as Guillermo del Toro films go, this is up there for me easily as one of the best ones. Um, he's had some bangers. I mean, almost everything he makes is gold. I can't think of one I haven't liked. Mostly, <laughs> mostly because it's so rare, just like gold, for him to actually finish something. What he's he's not about? really had that many movies. He's not like George R. R. Martin, where he can't finish a fucking book. Well, there's you know, he's had a lot of movies. He's had Pacific Rim, Hellboy One and Two, Pacific Rim Two. Pac- well, he didn't make that. One. Oh come on, Pan's, uh, Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth, Shape of Water. And okay. now this. Did you ever see... Well, didn't he make one? Well, I'm scrolling. Didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he make one a few years ago? He was attached to the Hobbit franchise. Did you ever see 
Crimson Peak. That's the one I'm thinking. Crimson of. Peak. Yeah, I didn't mm-hmm. see that one. I haven't either, but I, I, I still intend to. But he was attached to the Hobbit and then bowed out, and that's why Peter Jackson ended up directing the Hobbit. And he was also attached to uh, Disney was going to do a new version of Haunted Mansion. They still are. It's coming out actually in 2023. Knock on wood. But no, it is. No, oh. <laughs> uh, it's already filmed. Um, but he, uh, his story was too dark for Disney. <laughs> Shocker. He does like dark fantasy and dark magical realism. That's kind of his thing. Yeah. He also just did another Netflix series that we're only... I'm two episodes in because it's an anthology series that's kind of middling. It's uh, we're Cabinet probably, of Curiosities. We're, yeah, we're probably not going to cover it. We thought we might, but because it's middling, uh, we probably not. But yeah. it's called well, Cabinet of Curiosities. All this to say, Guillermo is a, is a really amazing storyteller. And he's one of like... They, sure. they refer to these guys... There's these three Mexican filmmakers. They're like the big three because they've all won these awards in the last 10, 20 years. Yeah. It's him. Inuritu. Alfonso Cuaron and Inuritu who yeah. did. Uh, Inuritu. Inuritu. Who just released Bardo, which nobody's seen. <laughs> we'll see it soon. Whenever it releases. But anyway, let's talk about Pinocchio and what's so special about this iteration of Pinocchio. Well, Stephen, it is, to my knowledge, the most faithful adaptation we've had yet of the original story. Which I don't know the full uh, history of because Disney made their Pinocchio at some point, mm-hmm. but that was they took a and, lot of and liberties. They also just made another one. They did. Like there, there, two there was ago. three Pinocchio movies this year. There was this one. There was the Disney one with Tom Hanks, I think, right? Yes. And there was this bastard version with Pauly Shore. Oh, as that's Tom, right. As, remember the trailer? The trailer we were making fun of. It was insane. It was like a fever dream. Yeah. I highly recommend that <laughs> if you guys want a quick laugh. Please no. It's so weird. But there were three actual full Pinocchio films this year. There was a lot of, in the Tom Hanks' version, we'll just, I'll just sit, talk about it for one second. I watched it. There's a lot of homage to Disney and like a lot of cute little things that happened in it. And, um, you know, but it essentially these live action remakes of the, you know, the cartoons, they're retelling kind of the same story. So a lot of the same elements that Disney adapted from the original story of Pinocchio, which wasn't, I mean, Disney took a lot of, you know, fairy tales, Grimm's tales, things from different countries. Pinocchio takes place in Italy, but he, he adapted it and and altered things to appeal to, uh, you know, capitalist tendencies, kids and (laughs) families and, the the nature of what Disney tried to stand for, which was like following your dreams, like you know that big kind of business thing. making money. Sorry. So anyway, Guillermo del Toro obviously stands for something different. So this vi- this version, <laughs> truth, and this, this version of Pinocchio is very different. It is also a musical, which I really enjoyed. I thought the music was not just really good, like very well written. Yeah, pieces of music. And I'm talking where where the characters sing mm-hmm. out their their hopes and dreams and fears. The the melodies were all amazing and catchy. There was nothing like, oh, I got to sit through this song right now. It was always like enjoyable, and they were short songs, so you, you weren't sitting there yeah. for like a six minute number. I was gonna say that it was well paced. Yeah, uh, it was Lee paced, if you know what I mean. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> dad joke. He's not even in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, anyway, the, one of the things that was most charming about the music was that, that it was sung by like a, a young boy, like a very young kid and Gregory Mann. 
his his voice, his singing voice was so cute. Like it was so charming that you kind of wanted to hear what he had to say. Yeah, he's got range, man. I was trying to figure out if that kid was actually like a... A great young singer, like a very, very good young singer. I probably sound a little bit facetious saying that, but I actually mean it. Anyway, Pinocchio, this iteration, you want to talk about all the points of why it differs from past versions that we've seen? Mostly in its darkness. I mean, it's it's not a one-to-one retelling of the original story yet either, because the original was from the 19th century. Uh, and this plays a lot with, I think it was World War One or two. What was the backdrop? I would say two, because they kept saluting like Hitler the whole time. Yeah, but I think for that purpose, it predated it. Oh, oh, it was, um, was it Mussolini? Oh, maybe. So this would probably be, you know what? I'll just look at the thing. What am I doing? Synopsis. We have... We have the internet. All of the information that has ever been yeah. available in the world at our fingertips, Gabe. Yeah, so it's it's set in 1930s Italy, so it's the it's the spiked rise of fascism, you know, running up to World War II in Europe, in Italy. So anybody who knows a little bit about history can kind of figure out what the tone of this movie is. So one of the big things they play with is is fascism, is this sentiment of, uh, you know, nationalistic pride, jingoism, whatever you want to call it. And that's pretty important for a lot of the themes of the story, or at least one of them, because this story kind of uses each of its beats or each of its major characters as kind of like a conflict or like a thematic conversation, I guess you could say. And one of those things is Pinocchio's recruited to be a super soldier in the Italian army, <laughs> yeah. essentially, because they, they discover in the film... That was a wild that, scene. Yeah. And I can I just say, too, that while watching this movie... You might be thinking, why am I watching this scene? Like, it it, it kind of seems like certain things come out of nowhere. But then, if you watch it for a minute or two, there's always a point that the scene ends on that usually means something. It, it makes a point. And think about this for a second. There's not going to be a scene that has wasted time because yeah. these creators and, and the crafters behind stop motion animation have to make it frame by frame and it takes for fucking ever. So 24 frames per second, right? 24 at least. I don't know. I mean, they could have done 30 or however many, but, but yeah. So like, you're not going to waste time or have a scene that doesn't mean something or matter. And especially with Guillermo del Toro's thoughtfulness and provocative storytelling, the scene ends, which I thought was really cool with him and his friend, they're kind of fighting against each other and they get up to the top and they decide that there is no winner, that they both want to win and mm-hmm. they, they tie their flags together and hoist it up so that they both win and then come back down. And that was really cool because obviously it's it's a commentary on war and how we shouldn't be fighting. <laughs> how it's bad. And, <laughs> and how we should just you know put aside our differences and come together under a unifying agreement because i was watching that scene i started i was like oh this is out of nowhere this is weird pinocchio's running through a war zone like it's so strange but but it ends in this note that is true to the character of pinocchio and what we came to know of him is another theme another element that is added to this amazing story we've been watching that that we haven't touched on yet and sets up the story for what's going to happen next in the story so it does all of these things And, and i and i felt like it was so jarring when it came up but um, but it's also so topical. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like crazy. And I can't remember exactly because there's 
I've been watching so many things recently. <laughs> but whether it was, uh, or I think I think I'm actually thinking of White Noise. But in Pinocchio, they do this as well, using fascism from then, and they're t- having this conversation that means so much for us now in terms of the rise of these, you know, nationalistic sentiments and how these things can happen, and everybody just wants to be part of this kind of thing. Yeah. So. I think it's amazing how they they make something topical and yet so much in its own time. And especially in a story like this where there's there's so much familiarity with a lot of what we're seeing in this movie, but there's also so much new stuff that Guillermo and his team are uh, injecting into it, like the whole Mm -hmm. death and resurrection. and Dude. So cool. And also, but the encountering of like the entities that exist Mm -hmm. on the other side of, of... the living yeah like in within the death realm and and the fairy the blue fairy being part of that kind of the realm of the supernatural and those little eye spirits that were floating in the forest that yeah. be kind of become and the the interesting thing about that is like in in the biblical narrative like oh. a- angels often have eyes on their wings and eyes on their their body and stuff and that's what these creatures had so they mm-hmm. were like some sort of otherworldly, supernatural, spiritual beings that were outside of space and time and um, contributing to the, the the creepy kind of darkness, but also beauty and light yeah. that was extremely unexpected in this Pinocchio story. <laughs> yeah, that's something that Guillermo does really well. And he's done it before. I was expecting them to go even darker, but there's throughout all the darkness of Pinocchio that this Pinocchio there's always such a wholesome and like encouraging and uplifting mm-hmm. undercurrent that mm-hmm. that like really blossoms at the end with you know uh, Geppetto and the cricket and Pinocchio. voiced by Ewan McGregor yeah Ewan McGregor who was great he was I was actually laughing out loud multiple times yeah he had a, he was like because he kept getting smashed he was, the- and he was always like he would <laughs> he would make these like secondhand or offhand um, remarks about what like what life is like these large like existential statements every time he would get smashed down he's like oh life is pain pain. (laughs) or whatever you know such a great take so good for the cricket and and he was also this he was the wisest character there and he had you know he often was a voice for the characters he was a voice of reason for the characters when the characters didn't know what to do next like a conscience he wasn't actually their conscience but you can see how disney may have interpreted the cricket as being the conscience and then making Jiminy Cricket a literal fucking conscience (laughs) when he wasn't actually, but he was this voice of encouragement and a voice of reason and a voice of wisdom when, when the characters were lacking those things. So I thought that was really interesting. I also loved the way that Pinocchio's nose grew and how they used it to the advantage of (laughs) them escaping the whale or the, the big fish which I also thought was interesting that it wasn't specifically a whale because, you know, in the story of Jonah and the whale, it's not actually a whale, it's a big fish. So it's kind of like this weird-looking angler fish from the deep. The radiated monstrosity. There's so many cool nuances and subtleties and changes from the Disney version of this story that it makes this worth something. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes it worth your time, listener, uh, so you should definitely check it out. Yeah. Big recommend. Big for, recommend. For all sorts it's of people. Got, it's got a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like there were three fucking people in a the theater that didn't like it. Those people 
can go themselves. Yeah, I'm really glad I got to see it actually in a theater because it I'm was really jealous. So good. I'm jealous. I I couldn't say enough good things. I I would watch it again. I want to show this to my kids. I want I want to force the the narrative <laughs> of life and of and well, okay. One thing I haven't said yet, which we should end on, is that the main thing about this movie is it hits you over the head with the theme over and over again that life is precious oh, and, yeah. and what is the importance of life and living and mourning the loss of, of loved ones that have gone and moving on. And the, you know, the theme of death and resurrections there obviously, but the existential question that we all face, you know, we all have, we're all, we all succumb to the mortality of this world and we all know that it's it's going to end one day. So those themes of like what makes life worth living are so present throughout the narrative of the whole film and the themes of in every scene. It's always there, um, regardless of what's happening, that it makes the movie so much more important and beautiful. It's almost like a treatise on life itself in the end. And, and I think that's why it's been so highly regarded by most critics and moviegoers yeah. you know audience audience yeah critics and whatever all the other people, <laughs> the so, people. yeah so anyway uh well it, said steve it's so worth your time i like out of all the movies this year in fact i think this will probably be in my top 10 easy wow yeah yeah not the menu or whatever the other one was you said <laughs> no there's still more movies to yeah see, there's steve. still more movies we're still gonna see avatar Two. Oh my god. The way of water. Oh That's going in your top ten. Anyway, so wait. Anyway, right here at the end, we're gonna play a song from one of the songs with the little boy singing because it's so cute. Yeah. Here it is. Great voice. Ciao, papa. Mio papa. Time has come to say farewell. For how long will I go? Is it far? No one knows. I am gone for a long, long time I'll pack away a fine piece of shine The sounds of birds jumping with birds Draw rings of plums to bags of shells The smell of bread, a drop of wine Your memory, father of mine Farewell, my papa Ciao, Papa, mio Papa Time has come to say farewell I am ready to go, going far Now I know it will be swell I shall be gone